confirmed I am in fact recording. Paul, oh, you yeah, let me do that right now. Every week, Paul. Every goddamn time. <laughs> I am recording. All right. Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, good morning, guys. How's it going? Pretty Aren't good. At, I, I, I'm very excited. This is my second podcast now with my new microphone. Ah, what was the first? Uh, that was the interview that we did earlier this week with uh, best-selling novelist Andy Weir, author of The Martian. Our interview will drop this coming Friday. Ooh, very exciting. Very exciting. It was a great interview. Yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to him. And uh, just a little bit of a spoiler, we like the book. Yeah, yeah, we like the book a lot. And, you know, uh, Wayne and I, you know, both have the same microphone now. So we're microphone buddies. Oh, I see how it is. That's right. <laughs> you, and our iPad, you and I are iPad buddies, Paul. So, so my $15 headset doesn't mean shit anymore. I see how it doesn't is. mean shit. <laughs> but, you know, Paul, I, I also, you know, picked up something that, that you might not be familiar with. It's called a pop filter. And, uh, you know, I can say things like Paul is pleasantly plump without popping at all. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul is pleasantly plump. Uh, I don't know if there's anything pleasant about it, really. <laughs> but you know what was pleasant? What, Paul? Seeing someone I know on TV. You saw someone you know on TV? Well, someone I know through the podcast. Oh, what, oh some kind of like, you know, wanted, dead or alive, the thing that comes on right before the, the station signs off. I saw Ron Mars on television this week. You mean friend of the podcast, Ron Mars? Indeed. Friend of Funny Books and soon-to-be guest star on Superman with Aaron and Polly, Ron Mars. Uh, get out. Yeah. So this week's Toy Hunter um, featured, you know, the lead guy, Jordan Hembro. He was trying to get a consulting job on a new action figure line for um, Chicago, uh, I think, well, now he's yeah, now he's with the Chicago Bears. I think he was with the Detroit Lions. The Bears. Um, Israel Idanaje, who uh, right. Ron Mars okay. and Bart Sears do his comic book, The Protectors. Right. And so they filmed this. Uh, they filmed some footage last year's at last year's EC no C two E two, and Ron Mars was there. You know, like so he's you know the the Jordan Hembro is talking to. Um, Israel Adonage and you know Ron Mars and Bart Sears walk up and they have a conversation with him. I'm like, holy shit! I mean, like, you know, it's not often. You know, Toy Hunter does have comic book episodes, but it's not often that you see like a comic book creator on there other than Stan Lee. Sure, yeah. And so it was pretty cool seeing them on there. Now, now, Paul. Yes, sir. Along the lines of toys, has your dark side come in yet? It has not. It has not. I, didn't you order that thing like a week ago? Yes, I did. It was like I, I ordered it like the day I got my paycheck. Right. Um, but I believe, but I didn't order it directly from Amazon. Oh. I did it through one of their resellers. Gotcha. Um, well, I say resellers. What are what are they called? Retail. One, one of, yeah, one of their retailers, one of their vendors, whatever. Yeah, it's due in any day now. Um, Was it at least like one of their premium vendors or something? Because I uh, I had an issue once with somebody further down that chain. Oh, uh, really? No, it's yeah. I mean, it's Go Hastings. Okay, yeah, they're good. I've gotten stuff from Go Hastings in the past, and there's no problem with them at all. Yeah, we got a book in once. We uh, we ordered a book that was a used copy that said the condition was very good, and when we got it, it was a former library book with like the uh, the library thing still stuck in and writing all over it and missing some pages and we're like this is not very good quality. Mm. But Go Hastings, yeah, I've gotten stuff from them quite a few times. And it's always been top-notch, even the used stuff. Good, good. Well, I, I'm a little less worried. Now, I did pick up one other thing since we're st on the subject of toys. Yes, sir. Yesterday, and, you know, we're recording this on Saturday, and I'm sorry, it's a one-day-only It was a one-day-only special. Um, Entertainment Earth has these daily deals, and their daily deal for Friday the 21st was the Infinite Crisis Nightmare Batman statue. Ooh. Which was um, a statue based on the, uh, you know, the um, the Kelly Jones vampire Batman. Yeah. Um, and it's normally a hundred bucks, and they had it for seventy. Oh wow! And if you order seventy nine dollars worth of stuff, you get free shipping. So, so what did you order that was for nine dollars? Um, I got a like a Superman ugly doll thing for the Superman collection. The Superman ugly doll. Yeah, there's this. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Huh. There's there's a line of characters called Ugly Dolls, um, 
And, you know, they're just, like, weird-looking characters, and they did a DC line with, you know, the ugly doll characters as DC characters. Huh. It's a thing. Yeah, I mean, you can make a toy out of any fucking thing. Well, did you see my uh, my uh, Batman bobblehead? I did. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. I, I like that. I'll post some links to these pictures in the show notes on ideologyofmadness.com, by the way. <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's, uh, they call it a monitor sitter. You know, so it's designed to sit on like a, the, the edge of a flat screen monitor. Uh, but he's all crouched and, you know, like you know, sitting on a rooftop kind of thing. I like it. Hmm. With his curiously large head. So, so I just say, I just found out a minute ago here that, uh, there's a news guest that's added to Wizard World St. Louis this year. Who's that? M- Matt Smith. Oh, that's exciting. Karen Gillan was already going to be there. So now Matt Smith and Karen Gillan are both going to be at uh, Wizard World St. Louis. I was already excited by some of the guests, but wow, that is huge. And I'm going to be broke because I'm going to pay for a photo op with them, too. Uh, well, be prepared to wait in that long-ass line because i got to tell you, Karen Gillan drew a crazy crowd at Dallas Sci-Fi Expo. I can believe it. You know, there is a little bitty uh, one-day comic show uh, in April here in, in uh, Dallas. It's called the North Texas Comic Show. Mm-hmm. And Michael Lark, and, yeah, Michael Lark from uh, Lazarus, Gotham Central, yeah. uh, is going to be here. Oh, that's awesome. That's and a hell of a guest. It's, it's actually a day I can go, so Mr. Head's going to get himself a uh, Michael Lark sketch. Oh, nice. I'm, and I, I'm thinking, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know... Uh, uh, not sure which character I want him to do, but it's probably going to be, uh, you know, forever Carlisle from uh, Lazarus. You know, um, we'll talk about this a little later on the show with uh, this week's Arrow, when we talk about this week's Arrow. Or maybe we can just talk about this week's Arrow here in a minute. Um, you know, since we're talking about guests at Comic-Cons, you know, Richmond Comic-Con, Richmond, Virginia Comic-Con, which is about an hour and a half away from me, is coming in September. And they've got the usual guests, um, you know, the Walking Dead guests. They've got Norman Reedus. They've got uh, Chandler Riggs. Um, they've also got Kevin Eastman. Um, Michael Golden, which is pretty awesome. Are you going? Hell yeah, I'm going. Because I might need you to do something with Michael Golden. A Micronauts thing? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, already, con- I'd already pondered that. Ooh, not for me, for you, because I'm not a Yeah, no, no, I, I, I hear you. We'll talk. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery, I mean, James Marsters, but they just announced that Manu Bennett is going to be there. Um, and if you don't know who Manu Bennett is, he's motherfucking Deathstroke from uh, Arrow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah he's going to be in that Wizard World St. Louis, too. He was a last-minute announcement when some of the Walking Dead people dropped out. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I would, you know, I'm I, I actually, I'm pretty excited about that. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, um, sticking with TV, and we didn't really talk about much about Toy Hunter, but it, it was actually... So, re- I just assumed you were done. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's worth checking out. It was a good episode. Um, if you're a comic book fan, they had some superpowers, uh, action figures from the 80s, like the Green Lantern figure that you twirled his back and he punched and stuff like that. Um, but it was just, I don't know, it was cool seeing Ron Mars on there. And Bart Sears, who I've never actually seen a picture of or met in person, um, but have always been a fan of. Um, but they, um, but going back to uh, Arrow, this week's episode of Arrow was the Suicide Squad episode that they've been building to for a while. Yes, it was. Yeah, I was excited when I saw the previews for it. So, um, you know, I guess we'll we'll probably talk about the big cameo first. Um, well, off-screen cameo, I guess, was the the Harley Quinn. Easter. Yeah, I. I paused it, and when it, my wife wasn't watching this episode with me, I had to go tell her about that one because I was so excited to hear her voice. It was the girl who voices her in um, in the Arkham games, but it was very it was very recognizable. Though. Yeah, I mean instantly, yeah. you know, I mean, and th- yeah. that, so that was smart of them to uh, to do that instead of you know just assuming that people would know who the character was. Right. Oh, Tara Strong. Sorry. Yeah, it was pretty cool though. Yeah, it was a cool little shout-out, and I'm sure it was just an Easter egg. I'm sure it's not going to lead to more Harley. But, um, you know, I mean, it was kind of, you know, the, the episode itself was, you know, a very Diggle-centric episode. There wasn't a lot of Oliver in it. Well, and I loved the uh, the uh, shout-out to John Ostrander. Yes. You know, uh, you know the Ostrander Hotel, the Ostrander Suite, you know, uh, I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, that's one of the nice things about Arrow is, is all the little Easter eggs that, that you get for the creators and, and, and the, uh, the world in general. It was fun listening to him talk about, you know, the, the unrest in Korok and, uh, you know, we've got to go into Markovia, you know. Mm-hmm. The- I got a kick out of those too. And, uh, my wife made a, uh, a comment when we saw the preview. She's like, really? They named their team Suicide Squad? And I like how that was handled. It was only the people on the squad that called it that. Right. Yeah. It was, I mean, and they, they were called Task Force X, which, you know, that's, I mean, it was, it was, for the most part, pretty true to the comic. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was very well done, and I enjoyed the, you know, dynamic of all of them together. I still think that, you know, the guy who's playing Lawton, you know, Deadshot, is not as Deadshot as I'd like him to be. Yeah. You know, and the eyepiece that he wears just seems rather ill-conceived. You know, it's like his eye patch doesn't fit him. The the little, you know, uh, bionic eye thing doesn't fit him. He seems kind of scrawny. I just, I, I wish he was a little bit more Lawton-like, you know, from the comic. He, he's you know, a little too got a lot of, Yeah, well, and Lawton's got, you know, the comic is, is uh, he's got a lot of swagger, you know. And he's he's a lot more cool than they're playing this guy as. Yeah, and when you compare it with casting for, like, uh, Deathstroke, I mean, I think he's dead on. Absolutely. The costume looks good, but even out of costume, he can really pull, you know, the gravitas that I think that Deathstroke would have. Mm -hmm. You know, combining our first two conversations, I did pick up another toy this week. Would you get Um, DC Collectibles released an Oliver Queen Deathstroke Arrow... TV show two pack action figures. Oh really? Um, yeah. So it's a you know it's you know Oliver Queen you know Arrow from the TV show and uh, you know the so, Deathstroke, but like in their season one designs more than their season two designs. Right. So do you take Oliver Queen into the bathtub with you, Paul? Yeah. And that's what I figured. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Well, of course, of course I would, Paul. There's nothing strange or unusual about you at all. Nope. You want Deathstroke? Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> I take Deathstroke yes. into the tub with you. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I thought the uh, the episode was really good. I wasn't sure how I was going to enjoy a Diggle centric episode. I like Diggle a lot. I I do too, and I, I just wasn't sure how well I thought that he'd carry that off. But I thought he did a, a really good job. I yeah, I figured I would enjoy it because it, even though it was Diggle centric alone, which I was, I had kind of the same thought of. What what I really enjoy a Diggle only episode that much, but it was also the whole Suicide Squad thing. Well, and did you kind of have the feeling, and I've and I've felt like this ever since they announced the Suicide Squad episode, backdoor pilot, backdoor pilot. Yeah, I had that feeling. Yeah, but I don't think any of them are interesting enough, except Diggle. <laughs> um, you know, they'd have to introduce another player who's who. Well, yeah, none of them feel like leads to me. Harley. Yeah, I mean, again, they introduce her. Yeah, I think that she. I think if you introduce her, give her a sexy outfit, you could make a show out of that. I mean, we'd watch it. I mean, even if it's just a TV movie. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch a Suicide Squad it. TV movie. You know, or I don't think I, there's enough. The, I, don't think I kind of miss the days of comic book TV movies. There haven't been any of those in a long time, and it's probably because they all sucked. Well, I think the problem with a comic book TV movie is that there's it doesn't get enough play to get your money back out of it. Yeah, because there's so much development for it. But but if you could develop it within the confines of a TV show, maybe you know. Yeah, like, I like the old Generation X uh, made for TV movie. Oh yeah, it was that one. <laughs> it was corny, but I enjoyed it. Demo- it certainly was better than Agents of Shield with uh, David Hasselhoff. Oh, the Nick Fury movie. Yeah. Yeah, the Nick Fury one. Hmm. Well, you know, moving from TV movies to you know. Movies in the movie theater. They announced this week at um, there was a Disney shareholder call um, that you know they'd be release re-releasing the original Incredibles in 3D um, as well as Ratatouille. They announced a third Cars movie coming out. Um, but the big news um, is that Brad Bird is working on this sequel to The Incredibles. Finally, Ooh, I love the first one. I uh, I saw it in theaters. I have the DVD. I watched it countless times, really enjoy the first Incredibles. I'm curious what they're going to do storyline-wise for the second one. And is it going to be immediately after the first one, or are the kids going to be grown up a little bit more? I think uh, I think that's what they're trying to figure out. I mean, and I think that's part of the reason they haven't done one yet, is, you know, what what story do you tell with those characters, you know, now? 
and they, they haven't, I mean, it sounds like they're still in the script writing stages, so we're probably still a good three, four years away from seeing this film. Um, but, you know, pretty exciting announcement. I know people are really excited about it. I love the first one. I haven't seen it in a while, but, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great Fantastic Four homage. Yeah. I was certainly better than the Fantastic Four movies that we've had. Oh, my God, you and the Fantastic Four movies. Those are good movies. Those are horrible movies, Paul. <laughs> horrible movies. Yeah, and it shows that if you're a jerk to your fans, they can grow up to be your worst enemy. A lot of people should take that to heart. Paul. What? <laughs> I just felt like Wayne was calling you out. That's all I'm saying. Any any fan I'm a jerk to deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Fantastic Four, uh, uh, 20th Century Fox announced that there would be the sequels, or that they've set aside dates. So that doesn't mean that these films have been greenlit, but they have set aside dates for sequels to their upcoming Fantastic Four movie. Um, they set aside a, a date for the sequel to The Wolverine, and uh, they have announced that there is a mystery Marvel film coming in 2018. So Fox has the rights to Fantastic Four and to the X-Men Wolverine franchises, right? Yes. Why wouldn't you combine those? Why wouldn't you turn those into a uh, a uh, like a, like a shared universe like Marvel's done? I think that's the plan. Because the X-Men movies have been good and the Fantastic Four ones haven't. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, is you know, you're, you're rebooting the Fantastic Four. Is that what you think is happening, Paul, is that they're going to do some kind of shared universe thing? Yeah, I, I, in fact, they, they've, I, they've kind of hinted that it's going to be that. I mean, I don't know what the mystery Marvel film is in 2018. Some people are saying it's X-Force. Some people are saying X-Men versus Fantastic Four. Um but you know the, the 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 current thinking is that yes they are trying to align those properties and that's part of the reason for the Fantastic Four reboot. Yeah, that is that is exactly what I would do because with as good as the last Wolverine movie was and as good as First Class was, uh, I would uh, I would try to co-opt some of that audience and and make the Fantastic Four movie a little bit more cool you know in the process you know because. Yeah. I, I, I still have concerns about where we're going with this new Fantastic Four movie because Reed Richards isn't the right age, but uh, I'm willing to, to cut it a little slack. I'll be honest, they have to win me over in with the trailers because I'm not interested in it. I, I was all excited when the first Fantastic Four movie came out and Silver Surfer in the second, but they've, they just have lost me on that franchise. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going in with an open mind. Obviously, you know, all they've announced is the actors and the director. Um, you know, it, I don't see they, – they, they're clearly not able to align yet because, you know, the new film, uh, Days of Future Past, takes place in the 70s. They've already said uh, the Apocalypse film is going to take place in the 80s. So, you know, it, it, uh, unless the Fantastic Four takes place in the 80s and we don't know about it yet, I don't necessarily see them aligning anytime soon, but – right. Um, you know, it would be interesting to connect those two franchises somehow. They could easily have Wolverine crossover into it, though, because his movies take place in modern day. Yeah, but I've heard, you know, Hugh Jackman's a little iffy on uh, how long he's going to stay Wolverine. Yeah, he wants to play it as long as he can, but he thinks he's getting too old. And I love the guy, and I, you know, it's funny because when he was first announced as Wolverine, people were like, who? And nowadays it's hard to imagine anyone else as Wolverine, but, you know, he he's probably pretty spot on. I mean, there's only, with as much as they put Wolverine through the paces in these films, there's really only but so long he can play the character in the way they want him to play that character. Right. So, but, um, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, the Spider-Man universe. Spider-Man! And so they're trying to do, you know, they're trying to create an amazing Spider-Man, you know, they're trying to create a, a Marvel movie continuity out of just Spider-Man characters. So they've got a Venom movie and a Sinister Six movie and, you know, supposedly they're working on other Spider-Man characters and trying to figure out who they have the rights to. Uh, but Amazing Spider-Man 2 is coming out in uh, May? Yeah, the first weekend of May before Free Comic Book Day. Mm -hmm. um, and this week, uh, they, they started a promotion with the United States Postal Service. And, and I, I, have, I have ordered a great big uh, 25, <laughs> 25 box uh, shipment of uh, the, the amazing Spider-Man priority delivery boxes. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah, so... See, uh, I heard that there was a promotion, but I didn't hear what the promotion was. Yeah, it's got, it's got the big Spider-Man image on the priority shipping box. 
Mm-hmm. That is like, awesome. Because I've got about 25 Ideology of Madness surprises that I need to mail. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get a pack of 25 of the boxes yeah. for free. Delivered to your home for free. Delivered to your home for free. And, you know, they're just white boxes that say Priority Mail and have Spider-Man on them. But, I mean, pretty cool to mail people something in a Spider-Man box. And did you look at all the other Marvel stuff they've got at USPS.com? Yeah, but they don't have actual stamps, do they? They just have, like, stamp prints. Um, I think they have both. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't buy any stamps, but the, but they had one or two prints that were awfully sharp. Yeah, you know, they have a um, Tarzan stamp, Edgar Rice Burroughs stamp, uh-huh. that uh, I found rather interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, USPS, it, it's funny. They, uh, they do have some cool stuff. I just don't hear about it very often, I guess. Right. But, yeah, I mean, well, this is a big promotion, and, you know, they have a, a, a TV commercial for, for it with Spider-Man and Priority Mail and all that. Well, who sends a stamp anymore, Paul? I mean, really. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I love those priority shipping boxes because it's the flat rate for whatever you can cram in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that, you know, because that's generally one of the things that that slows me down on getting stuff out the door is, number one, you know, finding a box, and uh, two, getting to the post office. So it just really makes that a whole lot easier. Yeah, agreed. And speaking of Amazing Spider-Man 2, I saw a... uh, it's, I mean, it's one of those behind-the-scenes things before uh, Divergent this weekend. And I was watching that, and they actually had more footage than I've seen on any of the previews. And one of the scenes is Rhino in full costume, moving, walking, and firing machine guns. Hmm. It was the first time I've actually seen him other than a... You know, we've seen in the previews just quick glances over of him, but actually seeing a banter between him and Spider-Man and seeing him move... It's going to be interesting to see what people think of them, because I think it's going to be, some people are going to love it, some are going to hate it. I love the idea of the rhino suit being just a essentially a mech that the person's in, because that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Well, you know, there's all kinds of good stuff coming out of the movies, you know, and, you know, the summer movie season is going to start in early spring. <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, all the good stuff starts next month, uh, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, which is getting outstanding reviews. Yeah, I was telling Aaron this week, I um, I got an email on Wednesday saying, Congratulations, Marvel Unlimited member. You've been selected to go to a Captain America Winter Soldier screening in Raleigh, North Carolina tomorrow, three hours away. And I couldn't make it happen. Oh, Paul. Couldn't make it happen. I really wanted to because, I mean, two weeks, you know, it's it, there, there's two ways of looking at it, which is it's two weeks early or, well, it's just two weeks early. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to look at it at the latter in order to not make the drive and leave work early. I just it, it was too last minute for me to plan um, to get out there. But I did. But I do have my ticket to see the um, the double feature on April 3rd um, at AMC theaters. They're doing a double feature of the first Captain America and the second. Uh, it starts at 5.30, and then you see the second one at 8 o'clock. And you get, like, a souvenir lanyard and a poster and all that stuff. So looking well, forward. And they're both in 3D. There is a documentary that's out right now. And it actually came out on Friday that I really want to see, and it's called Jodorowsky's Dune. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I have. It is um, this guy, this filmmaker, Jodorowsky, uh, wanted to make a Dune movie, you know. Uh, and this was after... Uh, uh, the one that came out in the 80s with uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin and before all of the sci-fi channel stuff. And apparently, I mean, had done all this work on it. Movie never got made, but, you know, it's a, supposedly it's the best movie you've never seen or ever will see. Um, and just some some brilliant, you know, artistic takes on it and, and, and writing and whatnot. And this documentary is just about his view of, of that film. But it's not playing anywhere in North Texas. I mean, I, I have scoured the interwebs and called all the art house movies, all the art house theaters. It's not playing anywhere around here. Oh, that's a shame. I am, I'm brokenhearted. I'm such a huge Dune fan, and I would love to see this movie. I think I'm going to have to wait till it hits Netflix or comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm sure. What's funny, what's funny is I'm not a Dune fan at all because I found the books very dry. Uh-huh. And uh, it's showing very close to me. Like, when I heard about it, it was because I was looking at Movie Times yesterday, and I saw it on the list at a local theater. Ugh. 
what the, the synopsis says, uh, this fascinating documentary explores the genesis of one of cinema's greatest epics that never was, cult filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, an adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi classic Dune, whose cast would have included such icons as Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, and Mick Jagger. And actually, I'm sorry, this was before the 1980s, uh, Dune. In 1975, following the runaway success of his art house freakouts El Topo and Holy Mountain, Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky secured the rights to Frank Herbert's Dune and began work on what was gearing up to be a cinematic game changer, a sci-fi epic unlike anything the world had ever seen. Hmm. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to see it at some point, but, uh, you know, it ain't playing around here. That's a shame. It is a shame. Maybe it'll come later. Huh? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those films that just tours for a while. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or, so, Paul, yes, you, you know, I, I you didn't get to go see Winter Soldier this week. Nope. You know, you had the opportunity. You didn't get to go. But at least you got to read Superior Spider-Man Annual Number 2 this week, right? What? No. Should I have? Yes, it actually was tied into the storyline that's going on, the Goblin storyline. I expected it to be this total standalone story, but it wasn't. And it wasn't just tied in, it's rather key. Oh, okay. Well, that stinks. Uh, it was it was really good, Paul. You know, it's it's probably one of the best annuals I've read in a long time. Uh, written by Christus Gage with arts by Javier Rodriguez and Felipe Briones and uh, Alvaro Lopez and uh, again uh, Felipe Briones doing inks. The artwork was beautiful. I loved it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it covered a lot of it. You know, a lot of different subplots of the story. You have the. Uh, Dealing with uh, Urich, you're yeah. dealing with Carly, and dealing with the Wraith, all in the one annual. It was good stuff. Really? I mean, so the like the Carly thing comes to a resolution? Or? It does. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it – I was kind of – I was kind of uh, of your thinking, Paul, that, you know, eh, I won't pick it up because uh, – yeah, it's probably not going to matter to the overall storyline. Uh, but I'd seen some things online, people talking about how good it was. I'm like, okay, we'll pick it up. And, man, it was fantastic. It was really good. And like like Wayne said, it's dealing with a lot of the supporting cast that aren't getting as much screen time as they might get otherwise in, in, in this story. Uh, but, you know, it's got Ben Urich, you know, uh, trying to uh, uh, redeem his nephew, um, yeah, it resolves the Carly thing. Uh, you get the Wraith storyline. I mean, it's, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I'll read it. Does Carly yeah. die? Does Carly die? Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, they kill her pretty hard. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it a read. Okay, do it. All right, what I did read this week, though, was the first issue of the new volume of Daredevil from Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Yes, sir. Uh, featuring, you know, uh, Matt Murdock, and uh, he's out in San Francisco. Francisco. He's out in San Francisco now, uh, where he's still able to practice law. Uh, now, we don't actually see him practice law in this issue. You know, we see him kind of working with the police. Right. We see CSI Daredevil. Essentially. Well, did you, did you like the sign on the door? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, Matt Murdock is talking. To his uh, new partner, Kristen McDuffie, and uh, or Kirsten McDuffie, sorry, and uh, he says, uh, he, she says, okay, the signage is done on the door, and he's like, well, how's it look, Matt Murdock and Kirsten McDuffie, attorneys at law, just like we agreed, right? She's like, you bet, and in great big bold letters on the door, it's Kirsten McDuffie, and then in microtype below it, and Matt Murdock. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's it. Fuck with the blind guy. <laughs> and I want to know what's going on with Foggy here. Because uh, he's looking at an urn with a camera hidden in it, and that certainly looks like uh, Cancer Foggy on the bottom. Yeah. I think. And that's his, new, that, that's his action figure name, by the way, Cancer Foggy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Foggy being... Um, He's in essentially witness protection. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that he that Matt's keeping him hidden while he recuperates. Yeah, he's telling people See, he's dead. I'm not sure that it was like that's what I thought at first, but he says was with a question mark. 
And that made me think Foggy doesn't uh, doesn't quite know what's going on here either, which made me think it was maybe somebody else that has Foggy possibly faked his death and is making Foggy watch all this. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll find out more about what's going on there, but just for, for, for the you know three panels that we got of that, um, my suspicion is that Daredevil was concerned about Foggy you know, uh, with all the drama that, that occurred around the Serpent Society, so he's he's keeping him hidden hidden while he convalesces. Yeah, that's my thinking, but I'm sure we'll find out next issue. Yeah, but this book was great. Um, you know, I loved how the the fact that Daredevil is not as familiar with the San Francisco uh, you know infrastructure as he was with New York, and what a part that played in the chase. I'm not really much on, on chase sequences, and this book was mostly that, and I loved it. And it, the reason why I loved it is it wasn't just a guy running. It was a guy thinking and problem-solving and just making it work. And Mark Wade's got such a fantastic grasp on who Daredevil is and how he operates. And Chris Somney has just drawn these you know fantastic you know uh, action-packed scenes that really communicate and tell the story. I just it's fantastic. And they do a great job of reminding you that he's blind. Yeah. Because a lot of Daredevil stories just seem to overlook the fact he's blind because of the radar sense. Yeah. But it's minor things like, uh, that's not a watch, it's a bracelet. Yeah. Or I, like you mentioned at the very uh, the very end, the wording on the door that he can't read. Yeah. Well, and I also like the fact that clearly Daredevil is Vulcan because he used a Vulcan nerve pinch on that little girl. I did catch that. I caught that, too. <laughs> I was like, huh, I did not know he was Vulcan. I would, I would say if I were really hard-pressed to find a single complaint about the book, it would probably be that he did the Vulcan <laughs> <laughs> So, Aaron, I um, I did read that Daredevil Road Warrior yes. series. Yeah. That uh, concluded, you know, and Daredevil Road Warrior was a digital exclusive series that basically um, was announced that it would bridge the gap between the two Daredevil volumes. Right. I and don't feel like it did. I don't feel like it did. I don't feel it, it. I feel it was a good story. I don't feel it was necessarily successful in bridging the two series. Well, and I'm, I'm not I didn't really feel like that. That was the point of the book. I understood that that was the point of the marketing. Yes. But I did, did not feel that that was the point of the book. Now, that said, still really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's still a good story. I mean, still Mark Wade, you know, he, he writes Daredevil just like you would expect. Um, and it was well done digitally. You know, it was an infinite comic, so, you know, it, it had some great transitions there. Right. Um, but Having not read that, I don't feel like there really is a gap that needs to be filled. No, I would agree. I don't think that, that – uh, Anybody has to do it. Now, I will say I have not read issue four of the digital comic. Oh, okay. But having read issues one, two, and three, I didn't really feel like it was bridging much. Yeah, and four doesn't do any more. So, okay. you know, it, it, it is kind of a done-in-one story. That's very interesting to read, but mm -hmm. not necessarily required reading. Correct. And a little overpriced. Um, at I, three I bucks would say so as well. I would say so as well. I, don't get me wrong. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It just wasn't what they what was sold to me. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It, it really is kind of a one-shot, but to get all four issues, you have to pay 12 bucks. Yeah. Um, it's a bit excessive. That seems a bit excessive. Now, um, Nova, issue number 15. Yes, sir. Do you remember how when uh, Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis were on this book? Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, I think I'm out. Yes, sir. You know, and I was really struggling with that. Um, I got to tell you, with the uh, current creative team of, uh, you know, Jerry Dugan and David Baldion. Yes, sir. Fantastic freaking book. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it so and maybe it's just this arc, but it reads like an Abnett and Lanning. It does. Book. Well, and, and, I, and I feel like they I, – I did not feel like Jeff Loeb embraced the history of the Nova Corps. You know, I felt like he was like, I'm going to take the parts of Nova I like, and that's the book we're going to have, right? Um, the uh, I feel like these guys are, are, yeah, we're going to take what Jeff Loeb created, but we're also going to tag the Nova Corps because that's a rich history that we that we wanted to take. We're not going to we're not going to drown him in that history, but we're at least going to honor it. And that's what I feel like has happened is that they're honoring that background. Um, and, I, and I think that just makes the story much more rich. 
Agreed. And, you know, you've got Beta Ray Bill, and, you know, it's a, it's a story that takes place in nowhere. And uh, you've got Cosmo. Yeah. God, I love Cosmo. You know I love Cosmo. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, <laughs> it has been a really fun story. And, you know, what I, what I like most about Nova 15 is, you know, he's in nowhere. And if you're not familiar with nowhere, it's kind of, Aaron, what's the best way to explain nowhere? Well, nowhere is, uh, number one, it's K-N-O-W-Ware. Right. Correct. So it's not just N O where. Um, so uh, nowhere is, you know, far off on the edge of the known universe, or as they say, the end of the universe, inside a disembodied celestial's head. So this is a, a, a celestial, one of the big space gods that died eons ago. And, uh, you know, people, as they will, have turned his head into a space station. Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> and there's a, a one-way teleporter there. Right. And what I love about this uh, issue is Nova, and I read issue 14 and 15 together, but I'm pretty sure it happened in this issue. Right. Cosmo helps Nova by teleporting him back to Earth so he can go to school for a day. <laughs> and not get suspended. And not get suspended. And then Nova comes back <laughs> to the action at the end right. of the issue. And I just thought that was, like, so cool. That is awesome. Well, you know, he didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's so funny. You know, he, he is at the edge of the known universe fighting right. a character, and basically he transports the guy like six hours in Earth, you know, whatever, ten hours into the future, and he's like, I have time to go to school. Can you transport me back to Earth, and I'll be back in time for this guy? And I just thought that was so such an interesting, you know, a, a well-told story. Yeah. Now, you know, a couple of things that I really enjoyed about the book. Number one, I just love Cosmo. Right? Cosmo is a telepathic dog, you know, uh, that you are given to – I don't think they ever outright say it, but, you know, the history of uh, Soviet space flight was them launching a bunch of dogs up into space, and this is a Russian dog. Um, so you're kind of you know, given to believe that, you know, like uh, Laika, he is, uh, you know, one of these, you know, Soviet space dogs. You know, who somehow developed, you know, psychic powers. So you've got this psionic, uh, you know, Soviet space dog, and the title of this issue is Can We Keep Him? (laughs) 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 Just That just tickles me, because there is kind of a boy and his dog vibe that you get in the scenes with Nova and Cosmo, and I just, I love that that take on it, Uh, and I would love to see more Cosmo in, in, in Nova going forward. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, hopefully he will. You know, I mean, yeah. hopefully they're setting up that, you know, he'll be a regular character and maybe, you know, Nova will operate out of nowhere. I don't know. I mean, it's just I, I'm really enjoying the book. Like you said, um, since Sherry Dugan, who I believe also writes Daredevil, I mean, not Daredevil, Deadpool mm-hmm. for Marvel. Um, I just I, I like what he's done with Nova. Well, and I also like the straight-up Superman homage on the cover. Oh, right. It's a good you know, cover, though. Oh, that cover's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's an homage to uh, that Neil Adams cover uh, with the Kryptonite No More issue, mm-hmm. you know, where Superman breaks his Kryptonite chains. And so you've got Nova there breaking his Kryptonite chains. Uh, I'm not sure what the relevance of that is, but... Uh, are they Kryptonite? Are they glowing green? Yes, they are. They are glowing green. Yeah. It is a straight-up, you know, homage to that Neil Adams cover. Yeah. And I just love it. I just Nothing love it. to do it. with the issue, but it's just yeah, cool. Yeah, not a damn thing to do with the issue. <laughs> and But the issue is so good. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it is an awesome cover, and the interior art is just as awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way, that, you know, uh, David Balvion is drawing Nova. I like the way he's being colored, and I like the way he's being inked. I mean, I just – I really am digging uh, – this and you know there are action scenes like there's a scene where Nova is uh, launches launches themselves himself at one of the bad guys and it's this beautiful scene where he is fist first just rocketing into him because keep in mind that you know Nova's the living rocket uh, and I just I love how he just plows into the guy there's another scene where he just leaps onto the bad guy uh, and it's this big flying leap at the guy and it's just there's so much energy on the page the these are just very dynamic action-packed pages thoroughly enjoying them and he's they've, they've written beta ray bill with a sense of humor which is nice yeah yeah it's nice to see yeah i i, I great issue um if you wanted to i think you can start with nova number 13 mm-hmm. 
which was the you know which is the first issue in the uh, all new Marvel now. Uh, pick it up; it's really good. I like how, how Beta Ray Bill last thing mm-hmm. uh, he asks uh, Nova, <laughs> "Is it your superpower to have bad information?" <laughs> 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 all right, good stuff. Pick it up. And that, by the way, the cover for next issue looks awesome with uh, uh, Nova holding Stormbreaker Beta Ray Bill's hammer high over his head. Oh, I know, right? Nova number 15, you won't believe it. <laughs> Good stuff. Such a horrible pun. I love it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun, fun book. I'm really getting a kick out of it. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, not, what, uh, six issues ago, I was ready to jump this book. Yeah. Uh, we, we, the only reason we stayed on was because of Beta Ray Bill. That's right. And uh, That's right. I'm glad we did. Yes. Uh, good stuff. So, Aaron, is it just me, or has Jonathan Hickman's Avengers book kind of, like, slowed down to a crawl after Infinity? Um, it's not just you. Because, you know, Infi- and maybe it's just because of the way they released Infinity. You know, that there was just an Avengers book, like, every week for months and then maybe now they're back on a monthly schedule instead of double shipping it because it just seems like it seems like I haven't had much Jonathan Hickman adventures yeah well and and I think that I hate to say this because you know I love John I loves me some Jonathan Hickman in fact uh, last week I went on a Jonathan Hickman uh, reading binge I I finished uh, Red Mass for Mars a book that I've had that I have owned for over a year and I just now got around to reading it and by the way, if you have not read Red Mass for Mars, you are missing out. That is one fantastic freaking book. It is a uh, straight-up homage to the Justice League, uh, very much a Superman story. Loved it. It is so good. Um, I also read Red Wing, which is eh. But, uh, you know, I was, on, I was on a Jonathan Hickman kick. So, you know, I was ready for Avengers this week, you know, written by Jonathan Hickman with pencils by uh, Simone Bianchi. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this story. I kind of hated this issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I was hoping this story would get resolved. And maybe it's just because it hasn't really moved forward. Right. Well, they're giving us a bunch of information that I really don't care about. I mean, I feel like we've made the plot much more complex than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. You know, because what we're dealing with all of these, you know, bridges to alternate universes and all the Earths that are dying. I mean, it does feel rather much like a Marvel take on Crisis on the Infinite Earths. Um, And some of this is I'm just like, they keep, every time they, they... they kind of resolve an issue. There is another big bad behind it, and this one's much worse than the previous one. And you, you kind of get to this thing, well, if the other thing was the ultimate thing we've ever encountered, and this thing is even more ultimate, you know, and the thing behind that is, is, is it going to be even more, even ultimate-er? <laughs> um, I, at some point, you know, it's just like they, they got to lay down their stuff and say, okay, well, we're done, you know. We, we give King's X, Tick-A-Lock, you know, we're out. But... uh I, I'm just kind of frustrated with the storyline. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just, um, I, I think this issue was uninteresting, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to buy next issue. But if next issue th- something doesn't happen, I may be out. Yeah, I, I, I it's funny because you know. It's not that Jonathan Hickman's not a good writer, and it's not that Simone Bianchi isn't doing just a fantastic job in the artwork. It's just that I don't care. <laughs> and I guess I guess maybe I guess maybe that's a writer thing is that you know he he needs to be keeping me engaged. And you know you and I are guys who who like these big cosmic stories. Um, we come to the table wanting to enjoy this book. But I, I think that it has written past its ending. You know, it, it's 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 drawn it out too far, and uh, you know it should have resolved much faster after uh, the infinite crossover. Agreed. And um, you know, I uh, I hope it you know I hope it gets better because I really don't want to drop this book. I mean, this was one of my favorite books of well, last year. And the the epilogue at the end of the book where Terax is talking to Black Swan, um, 
he refers to, hey, look, look at what's happening over there in Thanos' cell. And you get one little panel of Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. We can't see what's going on. And I feel like that wasn't them trying to hide what was going on. I just, I, I feel like the artist just didn't do a very good job communicating what was happening over there. I agree. I think the art in this issue uh, didn't help it. Well, and on the one hand, I think it's a beautiful book, but I think the storytelling on that page was rather poor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm conflicted about this book because, again, I like Simone Bianchi. I like Jonathan Hickman. I think they're, they're both very talented and skilled. There are pages that just sing in this book in terms of, of the artwork. But, you know, I, I think that the story has been overinflated, uh, bloated. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just ready for it to uh, go on a diet and, and, and trim up. Yeah, agreed. Well, and what's funny is on the flip side of that, I really liked Avengers World. This Did you? Yeah. Did you? Tell me about Avengers World, Paul. So Avengers World, um, now the only issue I had with it was that it did not continue from last week's or last issue's crossover. Mm-hmm. So Avengers World is co-written by Hickman and Nick Spencer. I love Nick Spencer. And so this issue uh, featured Starbrand, um, you know, and his team, which includes Hawkeye and Spider-Woman and... Uh, Nightmask. Night Nightmask. And, you know, they are in the City of the Dead under... Um, Italy, and, you know, basically they've walked into what they call a soul trap where evil souls have been trapped and they don't know what to do with them. And so they bring in a character from Secret War or Secret Warriors, which is funny because we talked last issue about how this book feels like a Secret Warrior sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it definitely feels like it this issue. Um, and, you know, uh, it's revealed that Morgan Le Fay is kind of the uh, the big bad in this of City of the Dead, and I, I, I enjoyed this issue very much so. Yeah. Sounds well, like maybe you had different opinion? Well, I feel like I, I don't like, generally dislike stories uh, that are up in somebody's head, and there's a whole lot of that with uh, Starbrand. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I, I just felt like, I mean, they're, God, Paul, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six pages before he comes out of his head as being attacked by the real threat, you know? Uh, and so that kind of bugs me. Um, I think that the Avengers are really screwed when Dr. Druid is their best hope. <laughs> because, you know, Dr. Druid, kind of lame. <laughs> I know Dr. Strange isn't available, and God knows what Brother Blood you know, has happened to him. Uh, you know, is he still dead or what? So, you know, when Dr. Druid is your guy... I think you're kind of screwed. Well, I think that's kind of the point, maybe, isn't it? Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, not a big Morgan Le Fay fan. Oh, okay. Now, don't get me wrong, she's hot, but uh, I'm not a big Morgan Le Fay fan. No, though I liked her in Camelot 3000, but that's a, D- a DC Comics book. <laughs> yeah, different different, with different Morgan Le Fay. That's right. So, I don't so, know. So, it sounds like you were unimpressed with this issue. Well, I mean, there are things I really like. Like, I love Starbrand. I was a big fan of the original New Universe books. Yeah, I almost bought this issue just because I saw the cover and I saw it said Starbrand. Yeah. And, I, like, they brought Starbrand into the regular Marvel Universe? Oh, yeah. He, he's been here uh, since Jonathan Hickman first went over to the, the Avengers books. Yeah. That, that was one of his brains. And I, I'm digging him. I'm digging him. You know, though he is kind of filling that slot of screwed up hero, uh, screwed up ultimate powered hero like uh, uh, Sentry. Yeah. You know, and you know he's already killed a thousand of his closest friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's he's already doing good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I I dug it enough. I, I, obviously, I'm going to pick up the next book. But uh, uh, I just. There are things I didn't like about it, and it's it's always that you know if we're going to do a dream or we're going to do some, something up in somebody's head, for me that's a page. I don't want to see multiple pages of that. Yeah, I can I can I can understand that. So, anywho, so Paul, yes, sir. Um, I I hear a rumor, and I think you're going to tell me that it isn't so. Uh, is the rumor that Forever Evil has been the final issue of Forever Evil has been delayed two freaking months? Yeah, that's that's a rumor. I mean, that's that's not actually what's happened, though, right? Well, You're going to spell that rumor for me. Well, I mean, the rumor comes from DC's own website, 
Um, okay, so you know it's it's a questionable source. <laughs> so on, and the uh, rumor's kind of an announcement. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even an announcement. They have, and that's just, and that's the frustrating part about it. It's not a, really even an announcement. If you go to DC Comics website, go to their you know their release list. You know, it shows Forever Evil number seven and just says updated. It doesn't say why. It doesn't say what's going on. But the final issue has been given a uh, release date of May twenty first. Now that is ridiculous. That is a full two month delay. I've already complained about the pacing on the story, and not. I think it's partially because the uh, the story itself seems a little stretched out for what they're trying to do, but also just because it it's a monthly book when we're getting so many other you know books come out faster. I find I just don't care anymore. Well, well and I'm yeah. a little concerned. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, if the last issue hadn't been so frickin' good, you know, Mazaz! Um, <laughs> if it hadn't have been just so awesome, I'd be right there with Wayne saying, well, you know, not interested. But I can't wait for that last issue. Well, and so it's not just that book that's been delayed. Nightwing number 30 has been delayed till May 28th also. So it seems like the delay has something to do with whatever is the plan for Nightwing. Perhaps trying uh, to align it maybe with the storyline in Batman Eternal so that they you know, one doesn't spoil the other or something. I was thinking Nightwing probably got delayed because Forever Evil got delayed, was my thought. Because we need to know what happens before we go into the next Nightwing storyline. Yeah. Since the last uh, issue of Forever Evil has him dead, not dead, what, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I, I thought that that would play into Batman Eternal also. I think there's more here than they're telling. I mean, they're not, they're not telling us anything. So I think, you know, I do think we'll find out why the delay, and I'm sure it has to do with trying to avoid some story being, because, um, I mean, David, is some story being ruined, because, I mean, David Finch has, you can't tell me he's done fine for six issues and all of a sudden screws it up on the seven. Right. With the art. Right. Uh, and Jeff Johns doesn't turn in late books, so... You know, there, 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 there's got to be something here that they're trying to do specifically for scheduling. Now, is it a bummer? Yes. I can't be too hard on them mm-hmm. because it feels like they're just pulling a Marvel. Right. I mean, you know, DC has been pretty consistent about releasing their crossovers timely. Um, and Forever Evil has come out every, you know, every month. No problem. No delays. You know, their, their, their crossovers, you know, Flashpoint, they, they've come out on time. Uh, whereas Marvel has not been as consistent, you know, with delays and such. Um, now, uh, but the, you know, when we're talking a two-month delay, that's pretty significant. So I'm a little bummed yeah. about it. Uh, me too. Me too. Well, you know, who else is bummed? Aquaman. Batman. No, uh, Batman's bummed. Well, Aquaman's bummed too. Well, true, yeah. You know, but you know, Batman's bummed because Rachel Ghoul has, uh, you know, been out there cloning his son and turning them into monsters to attack Batman. I gotta tell you, I think that bums Batman out. No, I think he's okay with it. <laughs> Whereas Aquaman is bummed because in order to hatch these clones, uh, they have been birthed within the, the, the uteruses of sperm whales and, uh, you know, killing the whales in the process. Yeah. So a lot of whale butchery and sun butchery. <laughs> it's just a lot of butchery in general. Uh, Batman and Aquaman number 29, it's a pretty violent book. It is. It's a, it's a pretty violent book. You know, Batman is on the hunt for grave-robbing Ra's al Ghul because, uh, you know, he went out in the backyard and found out that somebody had dug up Talia and Damien. So, uh, you know, Batman is out there in the Bat Submarine with trusty sidekick uh, Titus, the dog, mm-hmm. which cracks me up that Titus, you know, snuck aboard to come yeah. with. <laughs> I love that, actually. <laughs> it tickles me. Um, so, you know, you know, Batman and, and trusty dog Titus, you know, the bat dog, um, are, are out there in, in the, the deep, deep waters. And, you know, he just happens to bump into to, to Aquaman. And, uh, you know, lots of, lots of, of, of clone and, uh, League of Assassins, uh, you know, whoop ass begins. Yeah, so this storyline, um, it's, you know, Pete Tomasi has talked about how this is a pretty big storyline. You know, this, people have Batman and Wonder Woman and Batman and Rachel Ghoul, you know, this, you know, he, he's, 
Rachel Ghoul has the bodies of Talia and Damien, and he wants to bring them back to life. So I'm very curious as to how the story is going to end. Well, and the uh, the artwork, you know, by Patrick Gleason mm-hmm. is amazing, and I absolutely love the way he draws Aquaman. The first, um, like the you know the the title page, mm-hmm. not the first page, but the title page where Aquaman's there and his eyes are black. Yeah, and he's just you know looking badass. Yeah, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, no, he he just he has a really good handle on that character. Um, you know, it's a gruesome book. I mean, it, it is just a chamber of horrors that Batman and Aquaman, you know, walk into that 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 you know, Ra's al Ghul releases upon them. Um, it's awfully good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't. You know, Roz apparently retreats to, to, you know, the island of the Amazons, you know, uh, Themyscira. Yes. Um, so that's why you know, Wonder Woman's going to be in the next issue. Um, I, 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 why, would, why is Roz at, at, at the Amazon island? Well, keep in mind, the Amazons are not at the Amazon island. Right. I, they, they've all been turned to stone or whatever. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So, You've been reading Superman Wonder Woman. That's correct. So. That's correct, Paul. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I, 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 it's a great start to the storyline, and uh, you know, it feels like this book. You know, we talked about this with the. We talked about this on Batman with Anna Pauly. It seems like it's found its footing again. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's it definitely one of the strongest Batman books out there. And Batman and Aquaman. I mean, do you need another reason to buy this book? No. And well, and and next week you're going to get Batman and Wonder Woman, or next month you're going to get Batman and Wonder Woman. Who knows where it will end? <laughs> well. Recently, and we didn't really talk about this um, when it was announced, and I don't know why, but um, the IDW Publishing has announced that they are going to be adapting the original Harlan Ellison um, teleplay for City on the Edge of Forever. Correct, as a comic book miniseries. Uh, Drawn by uh, J.K. Woodard. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, J.K. Woodard did the uh, Next Generation Doctor Who crossover that was so beautifully illustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a real passion project for him because he he is such a huge fan of the original series. Well, and the uh, art on the cover is by Juan Ortiz. And I don't know if you've heard of him. He's done these um, artistic interpretations of every episode of the original series. Yes. And they're they're just so striking. They're right. all poster worthy. Yeah. And so, you know, Harlan Ellison has gone on record many times as saying, you know, he he was not a fan of what they eventually turned his script into for the final City on the Edge of Forever episode. And, um, you know, I guess his story was originally more grandiose. And for those of y'all not familiar with City on the Edge of Forever, that is the episode in which uh, the Enterprise crew discovers the Guardian of Forever, a big time travel portal. And in the process of uh, uh, reviewing time, they somehow change time. Well, Dr. McCoy gets injected with some, uh, uh, with some rather heavy uh, psychotropic drugs and runs through the portal, changes the past, and so, you know, Spock and Captain Kirk have to go into the past to correct things. In the process, Kirk falls in love with the uh, the lovely Edith Keeler, played by, I always forget her name, Joan Collins. And uh, uh, he falls in love with her and then has to make sure she dies. It is a classic episode of Star Trek, often referred to as the best episode of Star Trek, and as Paul was saying, has a rather contentious past because Harlan Ellison hates, hates, hates the way his teleplay was handled. Um, you know, he 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 rants on and on about it. I've actually got the hardcover uh, book that he talks about the production of the script. Uh, and how wrong Gene Roddenberry and the uh, Star Trek producers were in altering the work. So it'll be interesting to, to see the uh, full story uh, adapted by an artist as talented as J.K. Woodard. Um, I think that's going to be really exciting. And it's a five-issue series, and it comes out in June. I'm excited and about this. I am, too. But, you know, it put me in mind of something. Hmm. I really kind of think that ought to be the next Star Trek movie. 
That's not yeah. a horrible idea. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the reasons why they didn't want to produce it was that the budget was so extreme. But it would be nice to take that, you know, and you probably need to add a B story in to make it long enough to be a movie. But yeah. I think that would be a great way to to do the, the next Star Trek movie. Well, and the next Star Trek movie being the 50th anniversary. Right. Yeah. Mm. I see it. Just saying. Just yeah. saying. Hmm. But you know what, Paul? You know, while it may be July or next year before Forever Evil Number Seven comes out, <laughs> at least in June we get the official release of the much-waited, much-anticipated Atomic Ro- Robo RPG. Right? I am so excited. So Evil Hat announced this week that Atomic Robo would be out this June. Um, now, if you've not checked out our um, our uh, Fear the Con game on ideologyofmadness.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Or you can hit the Ideology of Madness actual play button to the right of your uh, your web browser. Oh, that's uh, you, you guys are so excited you can't even say it straight without stumbling. We can't. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all jittery. It, it's it's finally coming out. I'm I am really excited about it. Now there there's you know they haven't um announced an actual price point on it yet. I think they're targeting like 35 bucks mm-hmm. um, because it, it is a sizable book. And, you know, I've, they've shown some previews on, of it online, and it is just a gorgeous-looking book. Um, it is a ton of fun to play, you know, and, you know, whether you're an RPG fan or not, you know, it, if you love Atomic Robo, um, and, you know, you'll, you'll really get a kick out of the book, I think. So I'm looking forward to it, Aaron. And, uh, you know, hopefully the game will be out in time for Fear the Con. But if not, you know, we'll, uh, I'm, sh- maybe, you know, I'm sure we'll do a review on the show for it. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So are you going to so ask Paul, me? Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm unprepared. Oh, Paul. I know. I suck. All right. So next week, all new Ghost Rider number one comes out next week. Is anyone going to be reading that with me? Not only no. Hell no. <laughs> So, Aaron? Uh, Who's doing it? Uh, I don't know. Okay. You're not selling the book here, Paul. (laughs) You're going to read it with me. Uh, It's a new ghost rider driving around in a car. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. You know, I I, I could do a Hellboy on a Segway, but... uh, Well, yeah, I would buy that. Or perhaps a Rascal. But rascal. <laughs> so uh, Aaron and I will be reading next week's all new Ghost Rider number one. Will we, Paul? Will um, we? yeah, 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 yeah. We will. <laughs> so also out next week is the conclusion of um, the trial of Jean Grey in Guardians of the Galaxy number thirteen. Um, we also get. Uh, we get an, we were just talking about Jonathan Hickman Adventures. We get the new issue of Avengers, issue twenty seven, which is the uh, those alternate universe evil Avengers. We get all new Marvel now Iron Patriot number one from Marvel. I don't think I'm picking that up. Is anybody picking that up? Uh, it doesn't sound like something I'm going to be reading. Yeah, no. Um, but we also get the all new Marvel now um, Silver Surfer book next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. That I will be picking up. Yeah, from Dan Slott and um, Mike Allred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely be picking that up. Uh, Superior Spider-Man number 30 will continue the uh, Goblin, Goblin Nation storyline. Goblin Nation. Uh, yeah, you have to say it just like that every time you say Goblin Nation. <laughs> um, New Avengers number 16.1 or 16 point now <laughs> starts. It comes out next week. And even though we didn't like this week's issue, this is the Marvel, the all-new Marvel Now um, storyline featuring new artist Rags Morales. Well, I like Rags. I do, too. You know, I, I wonder how they're going to make it now-ish, because the, the Now books are supposed to make it new reader-friendly. Well, this storyline does not seem new reader-friendly to me. Yeah, well, neither did the... Um, or old reader-friendly, for that matter. Yeah. Well, neither did the, uh, the Marvel Now uh, issue of Avengers, the uh, Avengers World or, yeah. or Planet, Rogue Planet. Yeah. Um, Survive is coming out next week, which I think is an epilogue to uh, The Ultimate's Last Stand. Yeah. Which, we didn't talk about it. Did you guys finish reading that? I did. Yeah, I did. Was it any good? It was. It was really good. Yes. I enjoyed it a great deal. Hmm. 
from DC Comics. We have Injustice Year Two, number three, coming out. Woo! Um, and that's the the print version. So the digital copies are uh, already out of it. Um, that's really it from DC Comics as far as the stuff we'll probably be talking about. Adventures of Superman number eleven comes out. That's the, pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, this one is the uh, written by Jim Kruger. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, and also, and also coming out this week is, uh, you know, again, as we stated before, our interview with Andy Weir that will hit on Friday. Very exciting, very exciting. Very exciting. And, Paul, we yes. have a contest. What? Do we? we have a con- don't you have a contest? No. I think you do. Oh. Don't you? Yeah. Okay, talk about your contest. All right. So if you have not yet listened to Batman with Aaron and Pauly issues, issues, episodes two <laughs> or three, we have a Batman contest going on right now where you can win a Blu-ray or DVD copy of Beware the Batman Shadows of Gotham season one, part one. Um, and so you can uh, either listen to issue or episodes two or three of Batman with Aaron and Pauly or even these episodes of Funny Books. Leave us a comment um, on ideologyofmadness.com or give us a call on the Ideology of Madness hotline. That number, Aaron, is 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And, uh, you know, leave us some feedback uh, as to, uh, you know, Batman with Aaron and Polly, what you would like us to discuss in future episodes or what you thought of our current episodes. Um, you know, last week's episode of Batman with Anne and Polly was Arkham March Madness, where we took 32 of Batman's villains and, you know, pit them to the death with only one winner. Um, we have the bracket out there on, uh, on the website where you can, you know, put together your own bracket and, you know, tell us who you think would win and why. Very exciting stuff. Though I was amazed that Joel Schumacher didn't show up in any of the brackets. Ah, well, next bracket. There's always next time. All right. Well, guys, yes, sir. I want you to go out and make it a great week. I'm gonna try. Do it. I don't. I can't promise do it. anything. No, do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.